Welcome to Mysterious Goings On, the podcast about creativity, writing, and mystery. Every week, we talk about all kinds of great fiction and meet the people who write it. We also feature explorations about creativity in all walks of life. Your host, Alex Greenwood, will join you right after this. You know, if there's one thing running a podcast for all these years has taught me is that if at all possible, meet everybody you can. I mean, it's not possible to interview everybody who requests an interview. We get hundreds of requests every year for both my shows. It's very easy if you can't say no to uh, wear yourself out. Well, that, that happened to me last year, uh, 2021. I was... Uh, doing well over 60 interviews, maybe more, for both of these shows, Mysterious Goings On and PR After Hours, I just decided I would uh, spend a lot of time recording interviews, kind of bank those interviews, and then stretch them out through the end of the year. Well, around, I guess it was around September of 2021, I got hit up by a publicist, and in fact, most people on Mysterious Goings On are now pitched to me by publicists or agents or uh, are actually publishers who want to get on the show, which is a huge, hugely flattering thing for me that, that I've kind of made the list that uh, publicists are comfortable sending their professional writers to me. Well, I was really, really exhausted by the time uh, Andy, who's a publicist who sent me many great guests uh, over the past few years, gets a hold of me and says, I've got one for you. And I said, you know, I've told you this. I told her this. I said, I've had so many guests. I'm so book solid. I can't squeeze in another one. And I'm just tired. You know, there's just a point, you know, where you do your research, but you know, you have your day job. And for me, it's, I do my day job and then I still have to research and produce and record and interview and do all these things uh, for these shows with very little assistance. And I was just done. I was crispy. I was baked. You know, I was, I'd had it. And he was persuasive, and she said, "I've got this this guy. He's such a great guy. You're gonna want to. You're gonna be so glad you talked to him. He's really good." And I was like, "Uh, okay, all right. What's he write? Well, he writes children's books." And I'm like, "No, no, no children. I don't do romance if I can help it. And I don't do children's books. It's not because I don't care for children's books. It's just I don't read children's books. I don't feel like an expert on them. My daughter is well into being a teenager, so I have very little." Um, interest or experience with children's books. She says, but this guy is so good. He has a Halloween one about a witch. And I, I don't know if she knew, but Halloween is my weak spot. I love Halloween. And she made a good case. And she said, he's, he's this really interesting guy. He's a medical researcher by day. In fact, he owns a very prominent medical research company that makes products. And, and he has all these patents. And she said, he's a film producer. He does all this stuff. And I said, okay, well, who is it? She says, his name is Michael Pellico. Let me send you some information. And I said, all right, fine, let's book him. Well, by the time the booking came around, I, a couple of weeks later, I guess, when we got scheduled, um, I literally, I think, felt not well that day. And I had not had a chance to really, really research Michael very much. Not going to lie, every now and then this happens. I'm sure you have it in your own daily life where I was going to wing it a little bit with him. I read through the books and they're beautiful and they're and very well done and award-winning. And I looked at his bio and I had a few questions. But if you listen to the show with any regularity at all, you know that I don't obviously prepare these massive 
question one, question two kind of things. I just start having a conversation with people and just see where it goes. But if you listen to the interview and the links are in the show notes and I was so tempted to go back and edit it because that one, I thought the conversation went fine despite the fact that I was probably a little rough and a little disjointed, but, but Mike, Mikey got in there and just was being himself. And I found myself captivated by his energy and his excitement and his kindness. And we bounce all around in the interview if you listen to it. And the link again in the show notes. I hope you'll go listen to this interview. It's about 20, 25 minutes of me with Mike. And uh, we talk about the books. We talk about health. We talk about so many things. And again, I listened to it the other day and I cringed a little because I, I just was not my best interview. I, I think I, it's okay, but it could have been better and I could have tightened it up in the edit. But I was, again, I was exhausted. I was on deadline for some day job stuff. It was just a crazy, crazy end of the year. And I said to him, hey, listen, uh, I, I really enjoyed this. This was good when we were done uh, offline. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll get this in before you know Christmas. That way you can get some Christmas sales. And he kind of laughed because most authors... You know, they want to be told, hey, we're going to help sell some books. And I think that was, he thought that was nice, but he didn't, uh, didn't seem to be like, oh, well, yeah. I don't think he was really worried about sales, to be honest with you, but they were, the books were doing fine. But anyway, but we had a good conversation and uh, he said to me, hey, you write, don't you? And I said, yeah, yeah, I write and I write mystery novels. Nobody reads them, but I, I write them. And he says, I've got some ideas. You know, I'm a film producer. And, uh, and then he tells me about, his film Skater Girl, which I believe was number eight in the world for a couple of weeks there, and with the biggest movie in India, and then Netflix heard about it and started distributing it, so he had a deal for you know with them. And anyway, he he said, I've got this idea for another movie and and more another family film like Skater Girl, and uh, would you take a look at it? I'm like, well, sure, I'll be happy to. So. He gets my information. He sends me a couple of pages he came up with. And if you've watched Skater Girl, it's a similar vibe, but it takes place in Africa. And uh, without going too deep in detail, uh, his concept was a black American figure skater who uh, won gold in the Olympics against all odds, wants to go to his homeland in Africa, Kenya, that area. And he wants to uh, find out about his roots. But... Here's the thing: when he when he gets there, he's he, he gets to a refugee camp, or and he sees all these things, and he decides that what he wants to do, kind of like Skater Girl, where I don't sorry I don't want to spoiler alert here, but if you don't want to hear this, uh, fast forward about a minute. But Skater Girl, Mike and the, the the film crew, they ended up building a skate park in a, in an Indian village, you know, which it was just it's just a beautiful film. You should see it. And so similarly, he wants to build. Uh, an ice skating rink in the middle of the desert in Africa, you know, for this movie. So that, that was basically the whole story he had. And uh, I wrote back some, some what I thought were thoughtful notes and said, oh, I'd do this with it. I like that and all that. So he writes back to me and he says, can I call you? And I'm like, sure. So he calls me and <laughs> 45 minutes later, um, after a really interesting back and forth about how the, how the, the movie could go and how the script could go and all this stuff, he says, so I want you to write it with me. <laughs> and I said, okay, I said a lot of things, but he said, you do realize I am not in Hollywood. I am in Kansas City, Missouri. And while I have been a writer for many, many decades here, I've never written a screenplay that, you know, never even, you know, or anything. I mean, he says, I don't care. You can write and I like you. And I think it will be fun to work with you. <laughs> 
then he he offered me a, a, a fair a very fair wage to to write it and what we agreed to do was to write the treatment so if you're not familiar with this we, what we were going to do is take his basic ideas for the story and then I was going to make a treatment which is I think ours came out 10 or 11 pages where you you break it down scene by scene you don't write dialogue and all that and you don't write film direction you just say this happens this happens this happens this happens right and we agreed and you know at first I felt like ah oh, this guy is he a hype guy is he just you know is he fooling me is he yanking my chain but no within about a week I got a contract and a check and uh, away we went and I did a lot of research I, re I read some books on the dispossessed people in Africa who uh, become refugees and go to these big camps and we decided to set the story there but anyway I could tell you the whole treatment but technically I guess I can't because it's a property of of his and I shouldn't share too much more than that other than to say that within the back and forth of six weeks we we broke the story and did the treatment and he said great I'm gonna get with my producer friends and we're gonna start shopping it around talk to Netflix all this this was that whole whirlwind that began with a podcast episode that I didn't want to do because I was tired <laughs> And then he sends me some other ideas he has, and we're going back and forth on that, including, uh, including a very interesting meditation, a short story about uh, uh, about end of life and death, being actually visited by death itself. And it's a fascinating story. It's very Twilight Zone-y. We had several updated conversations. He things kind of Christmas kind of slowed some things down, and then some other people he was working with had some their own personal life issues going on. So, and of course, he had his day job and all this, and he had all these things that I probably didn't know about, and all these other demands on his time and, and energy. But we got to where we didn't talk as much. I just assumed he was plugging away, and I would text him, or he'd text me, or he'd call me. And the, the, the last call I got from him, I was. Of course, he's two hours earlier than me in California, and uh, he caught me one night after I'd been out with my wife, and uh, it was like, oh, I think I was about 11 o'clock or, or something like that, and I was exhausted, and I was asleep on the couch, and I didn't hear it, but he left me a nice message saying, hey, good news, good stuff happening, give me a call. I called him back the next day. I missed him, and uh, didn't hear from him, didn't hear from him, and I got thinking, well, gosh, is, is he mad at me, or... Uh, something happened or fallen through or what and I I didn't uh, I, I texted him a few more times in here but I thought okay maybe just leave the guy alone maybe he's busy he might be this is his way of saying you know cool your jets I'll call you when I'm ready so I didn't so it was a few weeks ago or last week here what am I saying here we're in May of uh, 2022 and uh, last week I was chatting with a buddy who had asked me what's going on with the movie thing and all that because it was exciting, because Michael was an exciting guy, and he, he said to me, Alex, we're going to be making a movie one way or another, and you're going to be with us on set in Africa. You know, that kind of talk, you know. And Anyway, my buddy was asking, I said, I don't know, I hope he's all right. I, you know, I hope he didn't, and forgive me, this was just a silly bit of dark humor. I said, I hope he didn't kick the bucket or something, you know, ha ha. I said, I'm sure he's just busy, but anyway, so I thought, well, hmm, maybe I'll uh, give him a call. And then I was just sitting there on my phone and I thought well let's see if he's doing something let's see if something's going on with his business see if there's some announcement been made or, or something about about the film or that I've missed or something and no no what I had missed is that uh, uh, Michael had had a unexpected heart attack and he passed away a few weeks ago and I've now known about this for about a week and it has it's, 
I can by no means claim he was the best friend I ever had, but I can I can and I can definitely tell you though that I am consumed with no small amount of grief, and it's not just because he was going to work with me and I was going to work with him and I enjoyed working with him and who knows maybe really make a movie together you know or at least let me write the screenplay which was the next move I had the contract I had with him the next move if he sold it was I got to write the first draft of the screenplay I mean that's a loss of course but I just genuinely like the guy um it's I mean, I was just stunned. There's his obituary and, and all these wonderful encomiums about him, all these wonderful, lovely things said about him. Uh, here's something that was said at the top of this memories page. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, an amazing friend, a dedicated son, a thoughtful brother, and an incredible uncle, and of course, the fantastic chemist, the forever inspiring and creative person full of ideas, Michael Pellico, our very loved Mikey. His brilliant and childlike personality brought joy, laughter and inspiration wherever he went. He was someone who knew the value of friendship and didn't collect things, but collected friends and made memories. The doors to his home were always open for his friends and family, and he was one of the most generous people we've known. No stranger to strangers, he could spark a real conversation with just about anyone. He was like chicken soup for the soul. He knew how to comfort you when you needed it the most, and he knew how to bring people together. A real friend who was like family and a superman to his family. An incredibly strong and brave man that we all looked up to. The news of his heart attack was sudden, unexpected, and one of the hardest moments for all of us to process. And I think I wanted to say, let's take a moment to remember Mikey for the awesome person he was. He loved life, and this page is in honor of him and the people he impacted along the way. Let's celebrate him and share our memories through photos, videos, and notes for Mikey. There is no doubt that his legacy will continue and he will live on through his works forever. And it's this beautiful page. You can just, these wonderful uh, memories about him and uh, lots of great pictures uh, and him working. And I just looked at all this and it just brought me back to the moments I had with him and things I didn't know about him that he and I had in common is that he loved to throw Halloween parties, which I, I'm a Halloween nut. Um, just, just fun stuff. And uh, I, I invite you to look at it. Um, so as I said earlier though, I had, uh, re-listen to the interview and there's just some kind of interesting and ironic things from it um you know it talked about he's always loved science and he was always curious his his grade school principal signed his report card once uh, to the future scientist you know and you know he said to me he describes himself as a researcher who has hobbies to, to make movies and write books um and i you know i said he was a polymath and he pretended like he didn't know what that word meant and but he, we talked about health and he talked about how his research was really leaning towards autoimmune disorders because he really believed that, you know, there was ways to slow down aging. And he said something that, that just chilled me and, and uh, saddened me when I heard it again, when I re-listened to the interview. He said, I do it because I don't want to die. I want to find a cure for aging. And he said other things in our conversations that really backed that up. He was... He hated that he was getting older. He uh, he liked to be active. He liked to do things. He liked to he liked to be you know. He said he played beach volleyball. And one time he called me from the gym, and there's the weights are clanging. You know, I could hear him. I'm like, oh man, let me leave you. He goes, no, it's fine. Let's talk. And we were talking about the story some more. And 
when we were breaking the story, but he, he really did take care of himself as best as I could tell. I don't know that he had a heart condition that anybody knew of. I was doing some reading on this page and people said it was all very unexpected. And then his last physical, I think it, I read that he had some high blood pressure, just like I do, um, but otherwise no, no issues that anybody knew about. But he really was into that slowing down aging, and uh, he, he, you know, he, he was he had this great analogy about taking care of yourself because we I talked about how I was doing it. And I was like I, but I have a tendency to go whole hog and really overdo it when I'm in my workouts, and then I hurt myself. And he says, "No, treat your body like a car. You know, if you have a car and you just let it sit and don't drive it, it's gonna start to fall apart. But if you run it in the red, crazy all the time, it's also gonna break down. You got to find that healthy balance where." you're doing proper maintenance and use of the car, which is your body. And it was just good analogy. I liked it. I just, uh, in this few moments about Mike, and again, who I didn't even know a full year, but I worked with him very closely for six weeks on the uh, treatment. And I remember one thing that I wanted to share before I, uh, sadly have to wrap this up, but just let you know that we were working on part of the story and, you know, a movie's all about beats and about tension and about character. And, uh, without going too deep into detail, I wanted to establish some tension and also kind of reveal um, this, the dire situation that a lot of these refugees were in. So I had these boys steal something from the visiting figure skater from his from his bag or something, and he and that was the way he was going to that would be his entree into um, the refugee camp where he would see the conditions and decide he could only he would help the only way he knew how with the skating rink and all that. And Michael was not angry, but it was the most forceful I'd ever heard him in our short time together. He was adamant. They said, basically saying, you know, I'm not going to stereotype these people because they're poor. Not all people who are poor are thieves. And I just hadn't thought of it that way. To his mind, it was a cheap way of advancing plot and not very thoughtful. And, you know, it's a, it's a mistake that writers will make. But he called me on it, and uh, and I'm, I'm I'm glad he did. And so I, I but but I managed to find a, another way around it. Although it took a while, we had a couple more iterations of how this would work before he was happy with it. But I mean, he was always encouraging, saying, "You're doing great. I just don't like this and this." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you listen to the interview, he has a distinctive voice, you know, um, just interesting accent, and you know, very Chicago, I think, and, and very cool. I just remember that though, and all oh, the other thing too is you know you know writers we get married to some of these stories, parts of these stories, and I I wrote this really dramatic scene that I thought would just bring down the house, and it was oh and he didn't like it, and I was like oh you're killing me this is my I said Mike this is my best scene I've written so far you know I didn't write the whole scene but just the idea for it he goes I know but it doesn't work for me because of this this and this and I'm like ah oh. and he's the boss. I loved that back and forth of actually breaking a story with another writer. And he's also, you know, a storied producer of film. And he's done really well. So uh, anyway, that got finished. And, and you know, I was very excited. And he said, if we, if and when we sell this thing, you, you got to start the screenplay up. And I'll be like, fine. And I said, well, what happens if Netflix passes? He said, there's Hulu, there's Amazon. You know, he's starting. And I said, well, what if everybody passes? He says, we're going to make this film, Alex. I'll have to, if I have to finance it myself, we'll do it. I've done it before. I don't want to do that, but if that's what it takes, that's what we'll do. You will be on a film set with me in Africa. And it just gave me chills, you know. It was so great. It was just so great. 
But he would do other things, too. I didn't even mention in the in-between, but, you know, after the treatment was done and I was kind of waiting to start on the screenplay when he gave me the word, on one of our calls, he was just like, uh, I don't remember what how it came about, but he just said, you know, maybe and maybe he kind of hinted that maybe we could do something with my books down the road too i don't know yeah i don't know if that's what he meant but he says i'd like to help you with that your books and i'm like yeah cause i'd love to sell a few and he says how about we put them on my uh, moonbow publishing page i said mike these are not children's books you do not want to put these books on moonbow publishing's page he says yes i do send me the information send me the book covers we're going to put them on there and he did he put it on there this is uh i don't have it in front of me but it was this, these are books by uh, a colleague or and friend of Michael Pellico. He really who he respects in life, something like that. But anyway, last time I looked, it was still up there. I don't I don't know if they're ever going to change that page at this point. I don't know what's happening. I I'm, I intend to talk to his his family if I can get through to them, and just tell them this story and and to see um, what's going on there and if I can help with anything and make sure they know about the film treatment because. It's Mike's, but the great news too, I didn't even mention this either though, the other generous thing was, you, I was expecting that uh, I would kind of help him with the treatment and my name wouldn't be on it. He's paying for my services, but he said, no, you're my partner in this, you're my co-writer on this, put your name on it. So um, there it is. And and I, he loved the title. I, I, I can I can tell you the title, I guess, and because uh, who knows what's gonna happen with it, but it, he just kind of had a, a placeholder title which is not unusual it was just basically i think he had like african skater or something like that i called it saharan ice and sahara desert ice i just thought those two worked together he like i think i named all the characters too and created several of them he created two or three of them and then i created the whole supporting cast and gave the names to them so it was it just was a great experience and uh, again so generous of him though to say beyond here's your paycheck but also here's your story credit and uh, first swing at the screenplay if we sold it. I could go on. Didn't know him that long, but it was a very rich relationship while it lasted. Everything from learning about his books, that he, his children's books. One is from the point of view of a Christmas tree. There's another book that's from is, is about how sharks are misunderstood. Mike seemed to me was always about listening to everybody, um, trying to do the right thing for everybody, make sure that misunderstood people were, were better understood, and just helping people, giving people an opportunity, giving a guy like me an opportunity like this, which obviously it's probably never going to go anywhere now. He's gone. The movie's probably not happening. I would assume it's not happening. But he gave me some confidence and... He gave me an opportunity and he, and he helped me learn this process of breaking a story for a film. And uh, I'll never forget him. I will just never forget uh, this guy. I will never forget Mikey Pellico, who was a guy I almost didn't meet. I invite you to please go watch his film. It's one of his best films he produced, the last one, A Skater Girl. You can find it on Netflix. Go check out all his books. There'll be a link for all of those. They're beautiful books for your young children which he wrote inspired by his niece, Sabrina, and uh, Moonbow Publishing, you know, and I asked him where he created, the, why he chose the name Moonbow, and he says a Moonbow is a real thing. It's a rainbow at night. And uh, a couple of evenings since I found out Mike was gone, I, uh, I caught myself going outside and uh, looking up. 
and uh, maybe just hoping in the moonlight I would see a moonbow and get some further communication with my friend Mike Pellico. Thanks for joining us on Mysterious Goings On. Be sure to follow Mysterious Goings On wherever you get your podcast and never miss an episode. Don't forget, you can get the links to books and other things mentioned on the show at mgopod.com. Until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.